You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. From JMI Wealth, Andrew Kelleher, good morning. Very good morning, Mike. A few billion, you got yourself a bank. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, look, I know this has been front of mind for a couple of days now, but, you know, for good reason. So, yeah, we learned yesterday morning that, that Credit Suisse had been taken over by UBS, but now we've had sort of 24 hours to get the detail. But also to understand and sort of think about the implications. I mean, the banking system needed the stability in that sense. It needed the deal. But, you know, w- what does it all mean? What's the fallout? Well, the price now looks to be around $3 billion um, US dollars, and that was a bit of a moving feast yesterday as well. Credit Suisse shareholders uh, receive UBS shares, and if you want to... Look at this grim saga. If we go back to 2007 to the peak in the Credit Suisse share price, what they got yesterday represents about a 99% decline in that share price, which is better than 100, I suppose. Um, the key issue, Mike, here, and one that may have, I think, quite far-reaching implications that we now have to think about, this deal has been driven by the regulators. So the regulators have forced this deal. Shareholders haven't had a say in it. So it's the first mega deal, really, between big banks since the GFC. And as I say, regulators are driving it and they're deeply involved in the outcome. So the Swiss government is contributing, I believe, about $9 billion US dollars to sort of backstop and underwrite some of the assets. And then the Swiss National Bank is, has provided more than $100 billion of liquidity to sort of help facilitate the deal. Now, in the background, Mike, and this hasn't been picked up a lot by media, yesterday it was also announced that there's a thing called the International Dollar Swap Line. Now, this has been moved from a weekly to a daily settlement. Now, this is a mechanism whereby the global central banks borrow US dollars from the Fed. It was uh, This is the ECB, the Bank of Japan, Bank of England, the Swiss National Bank. But it feels very GFC-ish. It feels very COVID-ish. Uh, but it speaks to the severity of the potential sort of crisis. Now, there are quite a few contentious or, or sort of notable aspects of this transaction. And some of this gets a bit technical, Mike, but we'll try and keep it relatively sort of straightforward. As I say, shareholders have been forced into this deal. You've got a big shareholder here, Swiss, uh, the Saudi National Bank. Now, normally shareholders vote on these takeover proposals. So it sort of raises the question um, of what might other bank shareholders do in similar situations. So if they start to think a bank's getting a bit dodgy, do they sort of cut and run earlier now? Does this accelerate or exacerbate other issues? And that's one of the question marks that people are grappling with. Also, Mike, not everyone in this deal has been treated equally. There are holders of what's called Tier 1 capital assets here. These are sort of hybrid assets. They're bonds, but they act a bit like shares. Now, these assets, Mike, they have been zeros, zero, the total loss for the owners of these assets. The value has been vaporised. Now, after the GFC, these assets became a little bit more common in Europe. They're called contingent convertibles or cocoa bonds. So, I mean, that's a question, there's a real question mark around, you know, what does that mean for obviously all these other instruments? Now, there are quite a few of these instruments in Australia as well. A lot of the big banks over there have issued these, but I just want to reassure people on this front, quite a different situation here in Australasia, well-capitalised bank. There's never been a write-off of these things in contrast to what has happened previously in Europe. We've got better credit ratings, Mike. Implications fall out of this deal will be ongoing. It's not a fix it and move on. Probably still be talking about this next week. week Load into our part of the world yesterday, though. Yeah, Asia opened up first, so New Zealand, Australia, we have played a bit of catch-up. Uh, didn't look quite so good quite early, but the loss is relatively contained. Hong Kong market was weak, uh, finished down about 2.65%. They've got HSBC, big bank there, down 6%. 
New Zealand and Australian markets also weaker, both down about 1.37, 1.38%. Um, European markets then sort of reversed that trend, which was good. Pretty much all over Europe's in the green, over 1% in most cases. And then we moved to the US time zone, their market's stable as well. Just looking at the US regional banking index, that's where a lot of focus is at the moment. That has stabilised overnight, down about 20% so far in March. So welcome to see some stability, up 3% overnight. Mike, the other implication, the other thing, tomorrow morning we'll talk about the Fed and monetary policy, but, gee, it's a, she's a big there's call. no rest for the wicked, Mike. No rest for the wicked. She is a big call, and it's why we pay you the big bucks, mate. Uh, what are the oh, numbers? Those big bucks. Uh, the Dow Jones is up 400 points as we speak, 32,260, so that's one and a quarter percent gain. The S&P 500 is up 30 points, uh, about three quarters of a percent, 3947, and the NASDAQ is up a quarter of a percent at the moment, it's trading at 11,600. 159. The FTSE 100 gained 0.93% overnight, 7.403. As I said, the Asia, the Nikkei was lower, 1.4%, 26945. The Shanghai Composite lost roughly half a percent, 3.234. And the numbers for the ASX closed at 6.898. As I said, 1.38% fall and a 1.37% fall for the NZX50, 11,564. Kiwi dollar uh, has uh, been pretty stable through all of this, 0.624. Four nine against the US, but stronger against the Aussie. Point nine three zero two, point five eight two eight against the euro. Point five zero nine four against the pound. Eighty two point eight seven Japanese yen. Gold has been very strong, pushing back towards the two thousand US dollar mark. One thousand nine hundred seventy four dollars. And Brent crude oil week seventy two dollars and twenty three cents. See you tomorrow, mate. Appreciate it very much. Andrew Kelleher, JMIWaze.co.nz. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.